Switching mediation providers might seem like a pain in the ass, but it doesn't have to be. If you're thinking of making the transition from Mopub to IronSource, we've got you covered. First, we've created a dedicated tool that removes the manual work when migrating to IronSource mediation. Second, we'll be holding workshops with IronSource experts where you can have all your migration needs taken care of. And if you want to do it yourself, we also have technical documentation for migrating to IronSource mediation in our Knowledge Center. To learn more about these initiatives and begin monetizing with IronSource today, head to www.is.com forward slash migrate. That's www.is.com forward slash migrate. Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite, powered by a reliable deep linking engine, lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to appslyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. Welcome, 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 everybody, to talk about Thetan Arena with two powerful game designers slash product managers slash cryptomaniacs. Uh, <laughs> first and foremost, we have Javier Barnes, design and product extraordinaire, also known as the Sergio Ramos <laughs> of gaming. Though I'm incredibly dis dissatisfied that you have you have shaved. Like this is this is. Uh, I don't know how how do I feel about this anymore. So it will grow back. Don't worry. Um, yeah, but um, I had to cosplay with my girlfriend uh, today, yeah. so oh, I had to do that uh, That's a that's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. <laughs> is she going to be? Go <laughs> is she going to be Maeve or, or Starlight? Starlight. Yeah, she's doing a Starlight. Got it. Yeah. So for folks who haven't seen Javier, and, and your picture uh, always is the pixelated one. But you are tatted up down to fingers. Like, think about the uh, the most bad boy Spaniard you can imagine in your dreams. That is Javier Barnes. <laughs> so, <laughs> what a description! <laughs> with, a, with a scruffy beard, living in Barcelona, uh, you know, <laughs> drinking sangria and uh, and and eating pinchos. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I know about so, games uh, a little bit as well. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we go to Ethan, aka the Crypto Kid, Levy, Levy. God damn it! You got it right the first time. <laughs> did did yeah. I? Because I'm now I'm self doubting. Now self doubting. Self conscious. Let's just take Levy. my. We'll just call me Eth dot an from now oh, on. Oh no, we, no, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan, uh, executive producer on highly, can I say, incredibly anticipated, legendary Heroes Unchained game, coming to all the uh, crypto maniacs. In your crypto wallets, like you gotta collect all these heroes. So yeah. everybody who loves crypto will be on it, and everybody who loves loves free to play and has played legendary game of heroes uh, will be on this game. So highly anticipated. When is it coming out, Ethan? Uh, not a, not announced yet. Not announced yet, but, but anytime uh, soon you'll be able to invest thousands of dollars before this game even even <laughs> launches. So you can see any images of I, it. We'll have we'll, we'll uh, in the current go to market plan. We'll have something mm -hmm. playable in a really interesting way before we put anything on sale. Interesting, uh, interesting. Anyways, but you are gonna make a bank before anybody plays it, right? Uh, n uh we'll see. Hopefully, yeah. That's that's the uh, that's the way these games work. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Javier, it's really great to. Uh, I feel like I know you, even though we're just actually meeting for the first time right now. But oh, I've been following your that. work. It's okay. I've been following your work for a long time, and uh, really impressed that you put out an indie game recently. Uh, I just bought it. Can you remind me the name of it? Uh, the song, the song out of space. 
Yeah, yeah, it was a kind of a small thing, um, but I, it was super cool. I learned a lot of things about indie publishing and publishing on console, uh, which is it, its own. Like just interacting with the stores were super didactic. Um, so really, really cool stuff. I need to write about that. Um, yeah. I maybe, feel like you're the out there. I feel like you're out there living my best life. Like you're out there <laughs> cosplaying as Homelander with your girlfriend, yeah. and releasing up. games, releasing it, games you built yeah. yourself on the Switch and, and <laughs> PC and PS5, and it's just awesome. And everyone and also, should go buy it. Support your friend Ethan, Javier. Ethan also also living in the sexy Barcelona, <laughs> uh, the uh, the gaming hub of Europe. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everything is going to Javier's direction. <laughs> it's just us two boring dads here in the outskirts of the world. Come on, just folks. Living through Javier. It's, it's stop, <laughs> wishing, it's stop messing with me. Um, no, but uh, Ethan, I, I've been following your your uh, work. I was really impressed on the um, Tokenomics podcast. Uh, you're really, really knowledgeable. Uh, that's actually one of the things that excited me about um, about being able to collaborate with you in in an article, right? Because um, I would say you're probably a true master of the of the sword of the crypto, <laughs> and I'm more like a, a fan and, and a person that is is uh, using perhaps a, a more regular uh, repertoire of, of tools to to analyze it. Um, so Thanks, yeah, I, I, I you, you say all this, and w- when when people see the article. Javier did the much more impressive part of it. It was pretty cool. We should actually get to it, right? Yeah. So, so re- references to the article, like most of the people who are listening, or at least half of the people who are who are currently listening, have either read it or are in between reading it or are planning to read the article that the two of you wrote about Thetan Arena. And just as a lead-in, they are uh, Wolf Fun. What a great name. From Vietnam, breathed a new life into its top-down MOBA brawler called Hero Strike by relaunching this game as a blockchain-based play-to-earn mechanics Thetan Arena. So this is a fascinating case study that you guys did because we're talking about experienced free-to-play developers. Uh, and this was a game. This was a free-to-play game that was first called Heroes of the Strike that ran for years. Didn't quite scale up. Um, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. Uh, it, but nevertheless, we'll f- we'll was fully finished in terms of gameplay and market standard level levels of quality. It had an in-app purchase source of income uh, that is currently still there, but is fully unrelated to the blockchain revenue. And most importantly, it has a years-long history as a standard free-to-play game that we that you guys used as a benchmark when analyzing how the blockchain version of this game uh, performs. So overall, this is a case of a of a free-to-play blockchain game. And and this type of a thesis have been thrown around by, by some of the VCs, like this could be the way to move forward. Like you have the accessibility of the free-to-play game, and then you have the blockchain layer from the true fans and the crypto bros to to engage and, and drop some Ethereum or Solana or whatever, whatever you're using on it. So to kick it off, um, Hero Strike, to me, looks like Brawl Stars. What are the main differences between those games, just looking at uh, just a pure core gameplay? I mean, one of the uh, key differences is the fact that in Brawl Stars, the skills uh, belong to the, to, the, to the brawler and they cannot be exchanged, while uh, in Heroes of Strike, only one of the uh, skills belongs to the character. Uh, the other two skills... Um, are, are exchangeable between the the, the characters, so, which allows to generate some uh, OP combos. Um, they also have uh, um, this mechanic that makes that the abilities scale up, so they upgrade during the match, uh, which uh, Brawl Stars doesn't have, but uh, comes from games like uh, League of Legends. I would say when it comes to gameplay, those would be the, the two main uh, differences that strike the most to me. Not sure if Ethan has. Mm-hmm. I I haven't uh, played Brawl Stars since launch, really, so I don't um, have too clear of a memory of it. But I think just that idea of transportable skills is really um, interesting and one worth thinking about if you're doing an NFT game, because uh, what that allows for is if you bought a hero for eight hundred bucks um, and you can move skills, you've already 
leveled up onto it, it makes that more valuable right away. Like it would be kind of a disappointment to, um, to start with a, an $800 character and then like not, not feel like you're as powerful as something else that you've been investing in for a while. So, um, definitely an interesting, uh, choice definitely makes things harder to balance. As you said, with, with some OP combinations, I definitely didn't play enough to figure out what the right, um, skills for my hero were. When it, I mean, at least in my opinion, when it comes to the, to a, a game that is so gameplay intensive, like I would be mm-hmm. super scared of having the ability of, of switch uh, skills like yeah. that. I think that it can make more sense for a game that has a, a bigger collection component uh, and maybe that the uh, gameplay is more abstracted, like an RPG or mm-hmm. or a breathing game or, or something that has like more a layer of collection maybe. But um, yeah, on, on a game like Brawl Stars, if it, it just like... It actually happens in, in Heroes of Strike and Thetan Arena. There are some combinations that are, are OP and the developers have removed a lot of the options that they have in order to limit them. Um, mm. So it makes difficult to yeah. to sh- make shine a specific characters and so on. feel that um, in that regard, if, if the developers have more the control on the, on the gameplay, um, it works better, but uh, yeah... It, um, uh, to be honest, I don't think the relevant uh, point of 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 uh, hitters strike are these changes. I, yeah. I, I don't think they generate like a completely different experience. Um, um, yeah, and so especially if, if we consider. If yep. Sorry. If you, if you're listening and you haven't played yet, just imagine we're talking about brawl stars with NFTs, mm-hmm. and you you understand exactly. the game ninety eight percent, basically. So so can we talk about how how you know? Hero Strike performed before crypto was was put in. It wasn't a successful game, right? No, it wasn't. I, I mean, I don't know what they were their their expectations, and maybe uh, the performance was good for for their expectations. No, but it's really, I, I doubt it. it's it's I it's a very uh, low game. I think it was making like uh, five hundred uh, dollars per day, something like that. Like really, yeah. something that doesn't allow the game to scale, and it, it was kind of a super niche. Uh, not even uh, second layer follower of Brawl Stars, I would say it's like the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it has been impossible to compete against Brawl Stars in this category. They've they've pretty much owned it, and and even when you consider that game, despite how big it is and how powerful Brawl Stars has been, it it has had some had some challenges to hold on to its position. Um, you know, in many countries, it, it declined. For example, last year and and even the previous year, it would have probably declined a little bit without the China launch. So it has been kind of like popping in different uh, different geos, but but then um, uh, not not maybe holding its its top position, kind of like uh, you know, I, I, lowering a little bit. I think what is interesting here is, at least in my opinion, uh, but I would mm-hmm. la- also be interested in knowing what Ethan thinks, is that the Heroes of Strike and, and Thetan Arena, when it comes to gameplay, they're, they're pretty decent games. I mean, the the, yeah. the difference with Brawl Stars when it comes to revenue is not justified by the um, difference in quality. Because although, of course, Brawl Stars is, is a much better game, um, it's not... The, the difference is not a bi- as big to justify uh, such a big difference when it comes to revenue. I think that the key power here and the, the key thing to understand with this is that um, Brawl Stars has a huge brand power, has the ability to put the game in front of the eyes of the consumer. And what Heroes of Strike maybe was missing is, okay, it was a fun game, perhaps not as good as Brawl Stars, but but it didn't have the capacity to put itself on front of the eyes of the consumers because they, they were not making enough uh, revenue from the users to be able to enter into the user acquisition game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and same same type of brand building and same type of like big campaigns that Brawl Stars have been doing, and you know, um, top of the funnel campaigns mainly. Yeah. Um, and I would what I'm really yeah, go ahead, Ethan. Uh, just I would I would uh, agree that part of what makes Thetan Arena so unique in the blockchain space is that it is like a full, fun, playable game. Like you play it, it's great. It's got good multiplayer, quick matchmaking. 
like no de- fully featured a, lo- a lot of games that get a lot of ink spilled about them or have me talk about them on podcasts aren't really even games yet right like a lot of these things um that are out there topping dap radar uh charts uh, for sales volume or token volume might be just a website where you stake your nft and they call that a quest and that's it right like uh compared to where most of the space is by taking an existing game and rebranding it, they have one of the most fully featured uh, blockchain games on the market. And that's what I think makes it like there are two parts that make it a really uh, two reasons. It's a really interesting case study for the audience of Deconstructor of Fun. Right. One is like it's a fully featured game. So it's not mm-hmm. like um, it's not. Yeah, it doesn't have that same, well, this is just a scam. It's not even yeah. a, a game yet feeling to it. And the other is is that um, it might be a really valid um, uh, way for other developers to take use of their uh, code base, basically, right? They cloned the game, renamed it. D- did they even, did they change the hero art? Nope. I'm, I'm, no, no, it's the no. same, same hero art. Got it. So that's uh, just um, imagine you could um, take one of your games, uh, rebrand it, make some changes to allow for blockchain and see more success. Like that's what they've done. Um, so it's it's really interesting what they've done and they have a real game. And, and one of my biggest takeaways was like, oh, this is a fun game. Like I like playing Thetan Arena. It's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at um, it, but... <laughs> Okay, folks, let's take a little break from the conversation, talk about your post-IDFA cross-platform strategy. More specifically, how you're going to monetize that sweet console and PC audience of yours. Well, here's where Player One comes to the picture, providing a huge revenue opportunity for developers and publishers. In fact, it's the only engagement and monetization platform designed to reward free-to-play console and PC gamers. Now I know what you're thinking. Players don't want to watch ads on console and PC. Well, that's actually not true. According to extensive surveys with players who are playing the most popular AAA free-to-play games, Player One found an overwhelming desire, 77% to be accurate, by gamers to have an option to earn free in-game content in exchange for watching 15 to 30 second advertisements. Now, the second thing you're thinking about is that you don't want to show other games to your console and PC players. Well, Player One got you covered once again. Firstly, the platform lets gamers decide if they want to watch TV quality brand sponsored videos inside their favorite titles in exchange for cool in-game items and awesome content. Secondly, as I said, Player One's inventory is purely of TV quality brand sponsored videos, so you won't have to worry about churn or build segmentation profiles. Plus, given the fact that the majority of free-to-play players on PC and console never actually spend any money in the live service area of those games, Player One is providing a way for developers and publishers alike to help their loyal players to get access to all the additional content that's being created while maintaining their games economies. Player One is fully optional for players and completely respectful of game flow. And for developers, Player One has been proven to drive retention, lifetime value, and additional revenue, all while maintaining monthly active users and reducing churn. Everybody wins with Player One. Gamers unlock immediate rewards, developers enhance the playing experience and generate passive revenue, and brands connect meaningfully with the most passionate audience in media. Visit playerwon.com to see how it works in practice or Get, go to the link in this podcast description below. Now, back to the episode. Well, let's get to the most important part. How much are they making in blockchain magic money revenue? Right, this was really impressive. I was, so, this was, we were supposed to write like a 1,000 word article, and uh, Javier went <laughs> oh, above Javier and beyond. Just, he fools you on this. Like, he gets everybody on this. Like, <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's just write a little, little couple of notes on it, something, and then it's like three months. Book. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, well, um, when it comes, well, thank you for the braces. Uh, but um, <laughs> when it comes to um, to this game, I think that it, it's um, also important to to uh, frame frame it correctly. Um, 
because the game it's not top 100 material it's not making millions per day we're not talking about that type of product uh, i think yeah. the numbers are really impressive when if we are thinking uh where they were coming from right um just yeah, this would not be for for you at king or me at network this would probably not be a big enough success yet absolutely but but, but for, for an indie <laughs> for a small team in vietnam this is He's what huge. they've accomplished yeah, yeah. is pretty amazing especially considering what they were making before so uh, just to give a few numbers and i'm sitting on my head uh, f from the top of my head um they're making about uh 20k per day just in uh iap so that's actual mm -hmm. money. It's not uh, magic internet money. It's uh, so they're making more in-app purchases than they were before they added crypto. A huge increment, yeah, because they yes. went from making five hundred bucks per day to making twenty uh, k, wow. like huge. Uh, and then mm -hmm. when it comes to the blockchain revenue, and maybe the here we will have discussion. Uh, it really depends on how you take it in account. Uh, in the article, it's a there's a breakdown of uh, what they have collected. There's a couple of things that I wasn't able to data mine, but um, I think it's a pretty good indicator of how much they've made. And uh, what I estimate is that they have made about 75% um, of their total money with, uh, with blockchain. Um, then we can enter in discussion because uh, when it comes to the money that they have made on the blockchain, they have obtained it in, in different currencies. And I feel that uh, the revenue that they have obtained on BNB, uh, I feel that it can be translated more easily into actual revenue because even if they sell the totality of their uh, BNB, um, they, they, won't, they won't affect the price of BNB. They just don't have enough BNB to, to affect the market cap of, of the coin. I'm not entirely sure with their own native coins. I actually think that um, they won't be able to sell and they won't be able to monetize their own currency. I think that the, 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 um, their own currency, I would debate that it's actual revenue, but I know that so Ethan thinks differently. So. Well, yeah. So let, first, let's just break it down. What are the inflows of tokens? So the game has it's a it's a Brawl Stars like MOBA. In the game, you can uh, buy gotcha to get premium heroes, j just like a standard game. What are the inflows of tokens into the company treasury? Right, because I think this is kind of worth just breaking down how token can um turn into revenue turn into fiat revenue for for um uh developers sure so uh you want to go on that or um yeah i'll i'll try and get i'll try and get some of them and then correct me if i'm wrong so there's on on their website you can buy gotcha for tokens or you can buy heroes for tokens from other players so if uh let me actually check so the for gotcha they accept bnb which is the binance token and then they also accept i think for everything on the marketplace they accept bnb and then they also accept um their in-game currency thg not in get their game to one of their two game tokens right so if somebody buys the gotcha a uh, hundred percent of that token then goes into the um, treasury for um, the the team and then on the marketplace if a player lists their nft um, again it those two tokens are accepted and some percentage of that token maybe it's five or ten percent goes to um the developer treasury and then there's actually a third thing that i discovered after we wrote the article which is you earn your token in game and then you have to claim it to transfer it to your wallet and there's actually a tax at the moment that you claim it and i'm not that's probably actually a gas fee um so for a uh you know when they sell iap the money goes to apple some number of days later, Apple sends them 70% of the money, right? Or Google. When they take these token inflows, those go into a treasury, 
and they can choose when they turn that treasury asset into revenue, right? In my my mental model, it's not revenue yet, it's treasury holdings. So part of what Javier is saying is that when they get the Binance token, that token has a huge amount of trading volume every day. So they could sell their Binance token instantly and never affect the price of the Binance token and just always turn that into USD and be happy with it. Um, with the tokens that are their two game tokens, if they sold 10% of the trading volume in one day, it would naturally depress the price uh, of that token because there's not nearly as much volume as a general purpose token like BNB. So um, part of the skill that I think a lot of developers are going to have to learn over time is when and how to turn their treasury holdings, especially of their game tokens, uh, into actual revenue. And I think there's going to be an art to it, right? Like, I could imagine one team having a policy that's like, we're going to sell 1% of our, of our trading volume every day. No matter, you know, whatever the trading volume is, we'll peg off that, we'll sell a small amount, we won't affect the price, and we'll just have a steady drip of um, dollars coming in. Then I could see a second version where, you know, we've all been at venture-funded startups where you have to, like, mm -hmm show the bars increasing in size over time. So I could imagine being in a position where like you make IAP revenue all month and at the end of the month you're like, well, uh, to show the exact height of bought, you know, this month we want to make $800,000. We've made $712,000 in IAP revenue. So let's go make, you know, make up the difference by selling our treasury ho holdings. Um, and, and it's going to be really how, interesting, right? How does that work? Like, like do you... Like when you make magic crypto money, are you making that magic crypto money or do you have to turn it into fiat? Like how does that work? Yeah, so, you know, there are every one of the challenges with crypto is that there's an you have to go through regulated on ramp and off ramp. Mm -hmm. So if I have whether I'm the player or the company, um, if I want to turn my um, game token into fiat currency, it looks like the same process. So probably ha I have an account with Kraken or Coinbase or you know one of the reg Binance, one of the regulated exchanges. And so um, on the exchange, there's probably a trading pair like Ethan's game token for Binance token. And so if I want to make... USD, I would, um, because Binance probably won't allow me to sell Ethan's game token for USD directly, but mm -hmm. I can sell Ethan's uh, Binance token for USD directly. So I would probably trade my token for Binance token and then sell that Binance token for USD and then initiate a transfer to my bank account. Um, so and that's what the that offer at the end of the like. month. Would you do that at the end of the month, or do you like how much do you have to? Because because the the values fluctuate so much. Right. Do, I mean, do you, like how strategic do you have to be with that? I think it depends, like what your object objectives are. Um, I think you know if it were if I were running Thetan Arena, I would probably do that thing of saying like every day we trade one percent of our one percent of the trading up to one percent of the trading volume for Binance token. And then um, we have somebody whose job it is to monitor the price of Binance token and sell our Binance token. Hold, I mean, the easiest thing to do is just sell it every day, dollar cost average. Um, or you could, you know, we're all experienced in having uh, analytics. You could have somebody mm -hmm. who's monitoring the price and like serving as an in-house trader um, of to, to maximize your revenue. Uh, so you need my, to have a back office for your yeah, game. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you, you could do it that way. I okay. I suspect that um, just if you think about your uh, time resources, that for a lot of studios, just having a policy and selling every day is going to result in a pretty good, like, just close to the best return without mm -hmm. driving you insane and distracting you from your core mission, which is developing a great game. 
Uh, one thing that is um, uh, interesting in this regard, and just to point out something, is is the uh, the fact that uh, actually they don't they don't allow you to pay on BNB anymore. So okay. now they uh, probably to sustain the value of their token because now there were I mean if you could pay with their token or you could pay with BNB, then it was that was devaluating their token. Um, hmm. They, they, they removed the, the BNB, um, but actually what I, what I want, wanted to point out is that in reality, they don't even have to move their crypto revenue because, because they have a, an inflow that is IAP, they can afford on just live out of the IAP, which is a pretty decent revenue uh, in their case, and uh, use their crypto revenue to foster more their... their their audience, um, even if, especially when it comes to their um, to their nat native tokens, I think that the biggest difference between the BNB and their native tokens is that they, if they sell the, the uh, native tokens, they are going to trigger a lot of alerts among players because they essentially you are telling the players, "Hey, buy my token and hold it," but I'm going to not hold it. I'm going to be <laughs> um, getting out constantly and that can be can i mean it's it's a kind of a double standard right so uh, i think that one cool thing that with it and they have afford is that through block through the blockchain they have brought players in and um those players are, are interacting within the blockchain ecosystem but in reality world fund doesn't really need to extract value out of that of that ecosystem because they can um profit directly from the IAP. Yeah, this was one of the most insightful um, findings in, in Javier's part of the article, um, which was that the revenue per user between the blockchain version of the game and the not blockchain version of the game was relatively the same. But the total revenue was much higher because Thetan Arena has a lot more users than Hero Strike. And what's super interesting about it is that you could expect, and, and you did a whole analysis of country mix as well, that what, 60% of the players were Philippines, Venezuela, mm -hmm. and like tier tier two, tier three countries is where the majority of the players are. So the revenue per user is holding, even though we could guess that the user quality might be lower than what you'd, ex than the previous game. So Simply, if you even just think of the blockchain parts of Thetan Arena as a marketing mechanic, it lifted their revenue, you know, their IAP, they left the IAP in, IAP revenue for users is, is pretty steady, but they increased the total pie by bringing more people in. So question about that, uh, how did the country mix change with the, uh, with the move from Hero Strike to Thetan Arena and more importantly, um, how many downloads that they got as Thetan Arena versus Hero Strike? Like, is it is it the rise of revenue per player, or is it the rise of just getting much more players through this blockchain hype? So when it comes to um, let me break down the question. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, no, no worries, no worries. Um, like, is there more downloads or? Uh, Long story short, they got a significantly higher amount of um, of uh, downloads um, in more about three years of, of life. They they got uh, in Heroes Strike almost not even four million, but uh, in just two months they have obtained uh, ten million of do downloads with Titan Arena. So the play to earn the ho the whole play to earn angle brought in it was a, an excellent uh marketing move it brought in a lot of a lot of downloads um and gave them a lot of visibility uh and yep sorry i'm just i'm looking at your charts and you know one thing other developers will say when i talk about blockchain games or actually they'll be like yeah but everybody's in brazil and philippines and venezuela and vietnam are these even players that you want and one of your findings was not only is Brazil the top country by downloads, it's the top country by IAP revenue. 39% of the IAP revenue 
estimated by sensor tower is is coming from brazil more than united states and philippines thailand are three and four so like the i mean it's just been very healthy for the 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 game to have added all this blockchain stuff you know i think yeah and i I think uh, also one thing that was a bit surprising to me because my uh um first point of view would be oh uh it's bringing so much so many people because they they are purely earners and uh mm-hmm. you know they they're we're seeing money getting into the game but they are going to take it out at some point uh yeah. and and people is going to cry and Actually, what, what was very interesting is that to see that uh, most of the IAP purchases are on products that have zero value for um, blockchain or for earnings, like uh, cosmetics. They were the right. um, a lot of the IAP uh, revenues generated by by cosmetics that do, does not give you any advantage on the uh, on the matches. Uh, so it kind of seems to me that. Um, through the premise of being able to earn uh, a little bit of, of revenue, they attracted a lot of a lot of players, which then enjoyed the game. They discovered that it was a cool game, and then they decided to spend on the, on that game f- for just fun purposes. Yeah, which I feel it, it, it's kind of interesting, and actually, I, I feel maybe it highlights something that is interesting, no, about this. Uh, new model although i'm not uh as um bullish about blockchain gaming as maybe mm-hmm. ethan you, but uh, i find that the classic free-to-play model it's very dolphin and whale oriented it's actually whale oriented and dolphin oriented at best uh, and that leaves out a lot of the a lot of players no? it leaves out minnows and we we usually treat minnows as just the means to provide content to payers or to uh, eventually grow the neuter them into becoming um higher degree paying users um and and that means that even we say no like tier one countries and then tier two tier three it means it we're not that much interested on those countries because we're targeting the countries that has that have the uh, high spending right. uh, users and i think that perhaps in this model it can uh, it can allow us to to target and to attract and, and monetize uh, players that are currently outside of that system even in the in their local variants um there are a lot of regional games that work very well in 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 tier two, tier three countries, uh, but they are still targeting the the dolphins and the and the whales. Um, I find interesting the 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 fact that this game has been able to monetize um, audiences that other games would have uh, maybe dismissed. Yeah. Got it. And can can we start talking about like the uh, the practical? implementation of of play to earn mechanics and and nfts in this game like like how are you able to make bank like that's that's what i'm really interested in like what do i need to do to uh to sell my stuff on open sea and 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 get quick rich (laughs) sure so let me let me talk about um how their play to earn is implemented so there's um two types of heroes in the game right there are ones you can buy for iap and there are ones you can buy uh for as nfts not all heroes are nfts and um only those heroes that you buy as nfts have the ability to earn tokens so if i buy a hero on the marketplace um it has some limit of premium battles it can fight play per day or token battles it can play per day i think it's 12 um, so if I buy an NFT hero, my first 12 battles of the day are the ones where I can earn the native game token, which is G, there are two tokens, but one, GTHC is what it's called. So, um, I buy a hero and there are two interesting things to it. One is it has a lifetime limit, the NFT. So the NFT is only valuable for like, you know, in the example I wrote about in the article, it's like 800 battles. So I, I was you can see on the marketplace like there'll be an nft that has 200 of its 800 token battles used up 
So it's interesting that there's an expiration date to the value of the NFT. And that is one of the things that was an interesting experiment, but I don't think it's working really. And then the second is that there is a number of battles per day where you are uh, have the potential to earn the token. So I in my first 12 battles of the day, based on what my final position is and my rarity of my NFT hero determines my output in game tokens. In addition, they have a battle pass-like mechanic where whether you're using premium or non-premium heroes, you can uh, accrue some token to your account um, as you as you complete uh, challenges. But I think the main one is that daily token revenue. And you know, I um, if, if you read my half of the article, I didn't spend eight hundred dollars on an NFT. Uh, even though I'm totally willing to, I spent $800 yesterday on Jam City's Prime Eternal for Champions Essentially Ascension. <laughs> Hopefully that... How uh, does your is, NFT wallet look like now? Are you on, if, on a plus or a minus? Or is it still the educational? Uh, I mean, I, I still look at it as all like, this is just me trying to figure out the space. I, I have kind of a mm-hmm. budget I set for myself. And if I lose that no. budget, it's fine. But I will tell you that uh, the market is... Uh, that the token and nft market is is generally down more than stocks and it's you know it's a little painful if you look at it as so, an investment so no college for the kids and that's the, <laughs> as i said that's a separate account i have, have a very i have a very set don't get yelled at budget that if i lose yeah. this amount of money i won't get yelled at or divorced okay um, <laughs> But okay, so so the arena, you have to buy an NFT hero. You can buy them in a gotcha for a random chance at a hero, and the more you spend, the higher rarity it is. Or you can buy a specific hero off another player on the marketplace, and then that hero allows you to um, earn for a set number of matches per day if you are good enough. And so basically what I did was I bought a premium hero. I bought an IAP hero. I found the equivalent hero on the marketplace. And at that time, it had a price of about $800. And then I played 24 matches and cataloged what my earn rate would have been um, had I been using that hero and just like assumed that over the next 50 days, my skill level wouldn't really increase that much. And so for me, the way I was playing, I, I was winning game token maybe 54 or 60% of the time, but also I was essentially spending token every time I played because once I get to the end of those 800 matches, my NFT actually has zero value because um, it can no longer earn game token. The purpose, oh, interesting. Yeah. So NFTs can earn a certain amount of tokens. After that, they're they can earn tokens on a certain amount of matches, and after that, they're useless. And that I thought was a very interesting choice, but I don't think a successful one. Right. Yeah, that what sounds I th- bad. Yeah, because basically, as as you'll read in the article, I said, okay, well, I can now do the math. This is my earn rate because I'm not that good. Um. This is how much it would cost to buy the hero. And I calculated at the price when I wrote it that I would have lost basically 40 cents every time I played. And then at the end of my run with that hero, I would have a useless NFT that I can't sell to anybody else because it has no more earn rate. Um, So if I was at the company... um, my design choices would have been different, right? I think they were probably trying to set up a system where players need more than one hero, that they don't just want to sell you one NFT mm-hmm, ever mm-hmm. in your lifetime. Um, and they all, so I would have, you know, I would, if, if, if this were my game, I would do much more extensive changes than the ones I write about in the article. But just some simple stuff would be no lifetime limit for a hero and limit each hero to a number of daily matches. So maybe a common hero gets one token match per day, and an uncommon gets two, and a legendary gets three. So that way, I'm not able to play with one hero all day and earn token if I want, you know, each match is three minutes long. So if I wanted to play for eight hours, I would need a giant stable of heroes to play through, 
So I would need to own a couple, you know, a hundred really to cover that much playtime. Um, and then you just limit the uh, earn rate per day uh, or the number of token matches per day. So that way you're not just using one hero over and over. But th those heroes would then retain their value um, and be it would be able to sell them on the secondary market. So I would basically pair those two changes with um, constricting the supply of heroes. Right now there's an unlimited supply of NFTs because every time you open a gotcha box it, it mints a new one um and i think you know that you know that these it, it's like trying to focus the energy the purchase energy into buying new heroes and i don't think it's working or i don't think it'll work long term what, what do you what do you think uh javier um so I think that the game does something that is very interesting, um, and it's actually what allows them to be compliant, uh, which is the fact that they uh, have isolated the play-to-earn and the blockchain element from the rest of the game. So actually, it is possible for a player in this game to play and never interact at all with the blockchain. Um, you obtain the currencies you can that you can use in the game, but um, unless you do a step that it's done through an external website where you connect your wallet and, yeah. and you actually extract those currencies and transform them into cryptocurrencies or their cryptocurrency equivalents, uh, you are playing a totally non-blockchain game, uh, which is cool. It means that even if you are not, if, even if you don't invest, you can play a little bit, earn a little bit of currency and then sell it on the marketplace. And maybe you have made like, I don't know, 20 cents. Great just mm -hmm. for playing. Uh, that's more than maybe other games gave you, right? But um, uh, so I think that when it comes to maybe the general player or the casual earner, it's it's uh, it's nice. Um, I else, but I find, find that uh, the perspective of, of a player that um, it's actually a, a serious earner or even an investor that really wants to put, buy an NFT and, and so on, uh, I find the model doesn't work too much. Like Ethan said, it has a component of, you could even say gambling. So if you if you have a very good win ratio, you're going to earn more than what you invested. But if you have a normal, if you're a normal person, a normal level of skill, you're probably gonna lose. Uh, you're gonna get less than what you than what you added. Uh, which is interesting. I mean, definitively makes the system sustainable, but not very enjoyable. Because it means that <laughs> uh, it, in order for a small percentage of players to be happy, the rest are losing and they are subsidizing the entire model. And for me, eh, that is problematic. Um, I find that the game uh, follows a different approach than what I would follow if I had to adapt a free-to-play game into play-to-earn, which is if I had to do that... Um, what I would make is that players generate the hard currency in the game and they become retailers for other players for the game for that hard currency. This is not what this game does because actually uh, to grade your characters, you need to spend... Uh, I, I have a job opening uh, for... A, uh, <laughs> can I send it here? I'm not interested. I'm not interested. But, but um, my, my, my point is that uh, in order to... Sorry, that was a very... I, I agree. <laughs> in order, that's, that's in order to grade your characters, you need to spend uh, their hard currency, THG, and PowerPoints, which are similar to the PowerPoints in Brawl Stars. Um, but you cannot earn the, that currency um, through the NFTs. You earn a very small amount. So really, if you want to grade your characters and therefore be able to win more and so on, you need to buy that currency from uh, the from the marketplaces and, and from other from other places, but you cannot er, uh, earn it through um, through NFTs. And for me, that kind of breaks the, the a little bit the point, no? Because at the end of the of the day, the way they have structured the the economy. Correct me if wrong, Ethan, but it kind of seems to me it's like I spend a lot of money to get an NFT. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I spend a lot of uh, THC. To get an NFT, and then playing with that NFT, I obtain more THC, which allows me to buy more NFT. So it's kind of a, a, a loop that it's I have to spend a currency in order to obtain more of that 
same currency, uh, but the um, points like upgrading and so on were other uses of 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 uh, that that have value and that I would like to be as a play to earner. I would like to be a retailer for other players. I am not able to grind that that uh, second currency, and for me. That defeats a little bit the purpose, no? It, it moves it too much into into gambling, and in general, I find that uh, from the perspective of, of a player that is an investor or a pure play-to-earner, it's a bad deal because they are subsidizing yeah. the whole operation. Yeah, I kind of suspect that um, in order to actually earn out on your investment in NFTs, you probably need to be playing as a team all the time with the same person and both you at high skill level. Um, because if you were coordinating uh, with somebody, if you were in the same room with someone or if you were on voice chat with them, you would have an advantage over probably 90% of the players. Um, and I think that's probably the only way to guarantee a win rate high enough to actually profit. But again, the daily limit of how many matches you can play um it would be hard to make, you know, it feels like at the end of 50 days, you might net $200 on an NFT if you're playing really well. Like $200 spread out over 50 days, um, I think still isn't that much in um, yeah. in the tier two, tier three countries to, to make that much of a difference. So I don't know. It, it so, feels so, like... So what's the meaning of this? Like what's the meaning of the blockchain if it, if it doesn't give you that same type of earning potential? Well, I I think if they were able to increase the price, the the market price of the tokens, it would change the economics of it, right? Like earlier in the game's life, when the price was higher, mm -hmm. um, lower skilled players could make more of an earnout and more of a profit. And so I think the challenge is if you're if you're constructing a play to earn game, how do you maintain the value of your token. I mean, it's something that Axie is struggling with right now and made a bunch yeah. of massive changes that actually, that dramatically reduced the earn rate of SLP and has increased the price, uh, the market price of it as a result. Um, How would you compare the, uh, the tokenomics of this game and the uh, overall implementation of, of blockchain elements compared to Axie's? Is it better or worse? Like we know the problems with with Axie is just. I think it kind of suffers from the same. I mean, it suffers from the same problem. I wouldn't point mm -hmm. anyone to the to Thetan Arena and say this is a sustainable game economy. You can copy this. And honest, like when I used to be a free to play consultant, that was basically the job. Saying like your game is kind of like Mobile Strike. Mm -hmm. Here are the systems in Mobile Strike that turn into a sustainable economy that monetizes go copy that or your game most resembles you know a dungeon and uh puzzle and dragons so go copy these systems and these loops from puzzle and dragons that was what my job was as a consultant essentially mm -hmm. and so far in in blockchain we don't have any answers i don't have the hey go copy this yeah and yeah, a lot of companies are essentially copying axie and mm -hmm. basically leading to um, economies that have the same problems as Axie. Yeah, yeah I, I would say, Damn it. And, yeah. I would say that uh, what they have in common is that both suffer uh, currency inflation. It's just that they have added the element of um, uh, a maximum cap that you can earn. Uh, on the, on your uh, on your characters that is influenced by the battle, so they have added the, the competition element to uh, diminish the the earnings, but they both have the uh, the problem of inflation, no? And I feel that this is what it's making um, their uh, THC token in particular go down constantly, even uh, even after they have removed. Uh, being able to buy with the Binance token, the 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 THC still still goes down, and I find this is because there's a massive influx of THC being injected in the system. Yeah. Um, so I, I I actually think that um, although 
obviously having inflation on on those currencies was um, uh, a side effect, maybe not not wish not uh, desired, but it allowed on the very early stages of both games, it allowed them to uh, become very popular because you were be, you were generating revenue out of nowhere, right? The problem is that at some point that catches up with the uh, liquidity in the system and then you realize, oh, we were not creating money from scratch. It was actually, we were draining the, the liquidity and the token actually uh, is lowering the value. I, right. I, I, to be honest, while writing this, this article and this is the one of the reasons why uh, I haven't gone like super kilometric on, on, on it is I, I changed my point of view on, on this game several times. And I actually, the conclusion that I, re that I've reached is that, um, depending on the perspective of, or, or, from where you judge this game, it's good or not. I find that for the developers, it has been great, incredible success. They are making more money than ever. For the casual free-to-play player, it's great. It's a fun game that they have been able to discover and they even can earn a little bit. But then for the pure pay-to-earners, people that invest that real money into it, it kind of seems like an unfair deal. They are subsidizing the whole operation and and uh, seems a little bit not, not fair. Uh, that doesn't say... That's not to say that the game has problems that cannot be solved. I think that's similar to Axie. They can do changes and eventually turn it up, but right now the, the economy, I think it's it's a bit broken. And that kind of also makes it a, dis a disappointment to me as a game developer, uh, because although it, this is a great case study and so on, I feel it's a, an opportunity, a lost opportunity, you know, that they could have maybe uh, pushed the model into generating something that other people could copy and this is really not uh, as, as ethan said it's truly really not the the solution to the problem but it has um i feel insights that could lead someone else to to go to to reach the the solution perfect um i i will pretend that i understood everything but i will have to re-listen <laughs> to this about three times yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, um, one, one question that is, <clears throat> apologies, one question that is very interesting is like, how are they running this game on iOS and Google Play, despite this being a blockchain game? So I know based on the, on the article, they are circumventing, not circumventing, they have essentially two different ones. So Ethan, tell yeah, me. If you, um, if you download the game on the app store right now and you play it, you will not see the word wallet. You will not have the ability to connect your wallet. You will not see a marketplace. You have no links inside of the game out to the marketplace. You basically, you wouldn't have any clue that this was a crypto game if you didn't come in with that knowledge. So mm -hmm. there's no mention of crypto. You're not actually using tokens in the game. The reason they call it GTHC, right, is game THC. THC mm -hmm. is the actual crypto token. And to turn your game THC into real THC, you have to do a process outside that includes paying a, a, a tax. Um, so essentially, they have walled off all mention of the crypto elements from the actual game client. And you have to possess this knowledge or be a member of the Discord or find out organically outside of it. And at least right now, that appears to, and this isn't the only game that does that, um, th this appears to be the acceptable way to get blockchain games onto the App Store and onto the Play Store. And I think the unanswered question is, is this an actual sanctioned policy? This is the way to get a blockchain game onto the uh, stores? Or are none of these games big enough to come under regulatory scrutiny from the platform holders right like i think Thetan arena upland uh and others for for all we know are at danger of being rejected any update uh without changing anything right you could upload an update that changed the splash screen and get rejected because it was reviewed uh with a different set of eyes than it was before so um Right now, I would put this into the category of 
loophole gray area and not something where we're like, yes, we have an answer from Apple and this is how we do blockchain. This is how we do, you know, blockchain on Google Play. Um, it's it's certainly um, the model I'm looking at in, in the uh, mobile version of, of LHU, but we're developing LHU as a cross-platform game and mobile is right now slated to be the final game client we build mm-hmm. for these reasons because it's a gray area and we're kind of trying to see how it shakes out with with apple and google interesting so but you would still recommend this way of operating so essentially putting in a free-to-play version out there um but but with uh, well, with apple allowing you to do purchases outside your store wouldn't that be able to kind of lead them to a store that does have in-app purchases, but also could offer a little bit of a, that NFT magic? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure, and and it's not two di- the thing it's not two different versions. It's basically like they've taken the connect wallet button out of the game client, and mm-hmm. they've taken a link to the marketplace out. So it's basically they've just like removed mention and links to anything related to the blockchain side of it. Um, so it's not two whole different game clients, um, basically. Understood. And again, I, I mean, an, another reason why I'm saying, like, personally, we're taking our time with it is because even the issue of how to do payments for a, um IAP game on an external website is still being litigated and not the policy isn't 100% clear as far as I know, it's not necessarily as simple, like, because I think, I mean, Seifert talks about this all the time on, on Twitter, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not clear yet um, how to implement off-platform purchases for Apple. And the way they want to do it doesn't actually seem to, I don't know, I think it's still being litigated, so. Got it. And overall, just to, you know, just to close it, so... For folks like like you guys seem a little bit tired, Ethan. It's probably five a.m. over there. It's six six twenty. I got to go start getting people ready for school. <laughs> exactly, and I and I arrived yesterday from a, from a business trip late in the night, so so we're kind of slowish, unlike Mr. Javier. Uh, so so let's close this down with like, you know, you wrote a beautiful article on this, and, and folks, please do read everything multiple times because it's quite you know deep as always. But is this a successful game and, and how would you improve it? Because people will be reading this and they'll be trying to figure out what should they do differently? What should they do better? Like, the, what's the 1.1 version of this? So, Javier, let's start with you. Like, how would you improve it? Um, I, I think uh, what people should look about uh, on this game is um, how, how they have used uh, blockchain and play to earn in order to give a second life to their project, they should probably be taking a look at um, what has been the distribution of on revenue, what had been especially the distribution of, of downloads and which um, countries they, they have attracted. Um, and I also find that on the um, specifics, I've, I've, the, this uh, separation between uh, economy, a big chunk of the economy happening outside of the blockchain and then just the trading part, like a very small part of the economy happening in the in the blockchain, I think it's great. I think it's it uh, um, overrides or avoids a lot of the challenges of, of the blockchain, which is uh, the speed, uh, uh, fees, uh, environmental challenge. A lot of those challenges are, are avoided in Citan Arena because the most part of the economy is happening outside of the blockchain and it only interacts on the blockchain when it needs to uh, for the for the trading uh, and it, I think those are key learnings that that we can extract uh, then my points if, if somebody was going to do a similar project is that uh, when it comes to game economy that has to be rebuilt my the model that would work in my head is uh, that a free-to-play game trying to become play-to-earn game need to, needs to make the play-to-earners their partners. Instead of selling directly the hard currency, the players, the earners, uh, need to be the, the folks that grind and generate the hard currency and they sell the hard currency to other players. So I've, I find it's more like finding a, a partnership 
um, and that's how you could make it sustainable. Um, I find that right now the, the the model that it's there it's more like similar to gambling and really it doesn't feel fair for the players because the actually very valuable stuff like upgrading uh, is sold. Uh, the, the, the only ones getting profit out of that are the um, are the developers. Well, folks, there you have it. We uh, this was like a quick one hour discussion on on the uh, on the beautiful article that that you guys wrote. Um, I'm gonna listen to this again because I felt like a dummy and I'm also running a little bit slow today. Uh, but but that's good that we recorded this conversation so I can go it's, back it's, to it. Unlike me, who re-listens to every episode because he's purely an egomaniac. Oh, <laughs> you do that? <laughs> well, I'm just I'm I'm trying to make sure I'm not saying anything that'll get me canceled. Like, was my joke funny enough? I don't know. Uh, well, <laughs> we should then uh, delete the uh, the vaccine episode we did. <laughs> 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 that yeah that was that one's going in the that one goes behind the paywall yeah we should we should really do an episode on geopolitical situation at the moment and um stay, and in, our, some, stay in our lane offer some advices from the uh, from the perspective of a game of an ignorant ready game to developer go joe rogan over here we gotta stay in our lane <laughs> anyways uh to everybody everywhere um have a great rest of the day and um Love and peace. That's all we're here for. So, so on that note, uh, thanks for listening. Javier and Ethan, thank you so much for, for writing this beautiful article and for uh, making a dumb person like myself just a little bit smarter. <laughs> so thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.